shout out to the Lord. Just one really good time. Amen. He's worthy. Praise God. Awesome. And so what we're going to do, too, is we're recording every session uh, audibly. Uh, we didn't want to do video just because there, there's going to be some ministry stuff that takes place. But I have a podcast, Mark Dolphins. You can download the podcast. And if you want to share that with somebody that isn't here, want them to hear one of the segments, one of the teaching segments, uh, feel free. I think it would be really good. We have some people that can't make it out tonight or tomorrow. They'll be here Sunday. And so they asked us to be able to, to find a way that we could. We didn't want to do it live. Uh, as far as video stream, live stream like we do on Sunday, so we wanted to, to do a podcast. And so tonight we're going to be talking about shame and rejection, and there'll be more teaching. The whole seminar series uh, conference will be uh, a teaching atmosphere so that you can learn. There won't be a lot on the screen so that you can kind of pay attention to either whoever's teaching or your book. And most of what we have is going to be in your book. There'll be some scriptures that we don't have that we'll read through our through the Bible that you can write down if you don't have a Bible or mobile device, and you can look them up later. Uh, but we're going to dig right in. And the first scripture, because I like to lead with the word, is found in Romans, the eighth chapter, verses one and two. And Paul writes and says, Therefore, no condemnation now exists for those who are in Christ Jesus, because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Can you say amen? amen? That's important to know because you have, and I've underlined it in my Bible, the Spirit's law of life. If you are a Christ follower, and we've talked about this the whole month of February, from the tree of life, following Christ, your identity. If you're new here or if you haven't been coming to church here, you can go back and watch those messages online. You'll start to gravitate to what we're trying to do. But there's a, a law of life, and it's the Spirit's law of life. And as we walk through that law of life, God wants us to be set free. Amen? He, that's his whole goal is to restore fellowship with us and then have us to walk in the freedom. And so we're going to walk through some things to tonight, and we'll go through them, and then I'll, I'll impart some things to you. Uh, take notes, write it down. Like Janie said, use the cross-examination page, uh, cross-exchange, because each session the Holy Spirit may bring different things into you, that you can just write those words down. It won't just be for one session, it'll be for all of them, that the end, like she said, will destroy it. So let me give you three essential components of a healthy self-image. And they're in your, you're in your guide, but then we'll add some things to them. The first one is a sense of belonging, okay? Write community right by that. That's really, see, every person, even God, when he created Adam, knew that Adam couldn't be alone. He had to have a sense of community. There had to be a belonging. So this is why the local church is so important. There's a place of community, why small groups are so important. There's a place of community there where we start to think alike. Uh, Jim Rohn, one of uh, a, a great storyteller uh, who's passed away uh, now, he said, you're the average of the five people that you hang around with. You are the average of the five people that you hang around with. So if you hang around with bitter people who are mean and angry and jealous, you're going to be like them. If you hang around with, like if your small group is uplifting and they're, they're joyful or they're the people at work or school, they're, man, they're excitable people, that's what you're going to be. You are the average of the five people you hang with. You need community. You need people in your life that will help build you up and that you can help build up. The next one, a sense of worth and value. Write Christ next to that. 
Because we really, our sense of worth and value, if it's not found in Christ, it's not found. We find our value in Christ. Sometimes we find it in what we do. Sometimes we find it in who we are. Sometimes we find it in what we've done. But we have to find our value in Jesus Christ. If we find our value in Christ, then that shame and rejection starts to get squeezed out. Because let's face it, and I don't want to, don't raise your hand, we probably all have had some things that we could be ashamed about. We probably have all felt in certain ways that we've been rejected. Listen, I'm the youngest of eight. You know in a family that has large, a lot of siblings, the youngest one, their communication skills are horrible because nobody listens to what they say. And that's a statistic, that's a proven fact. It's like, every, if it, my family was Terry, Michael, Tommy, Marty, Peggy, Frankie, Ricky, Mark. And by the time it got to Tommy, number three, everybody else was just like hodgepodge. In fact, my dad called me my first four brothers' names before he finally got to mine. Marty, Frankie, Tommy, Mark, Rick, no, Mark, that's it. See, there's, if we're not careful, anything we go through, we can feel like we're rejected. You don't get the job. You didn't get the promotion. You didn't get this. You didn't get that. The enemy wants us to feel rejected. God wants us to feel free in Christ. Amen? And the last one, a sense of being uh, competent. That's calling, right? Calling us to that. Every person here has a calling on their life. Every person has a purpose in their, in their life. What God wants you to do, maybe not everybody's to fulfill a, a platform speaking engagement or, or maybe not everybody can sing or maybe not everybody can go door to door. Maybe, well, they should go door to door. They should knock on doors and, and di disciple people. Maybe not everybody can lead a small group, but everybody should attend a small group. And I'm talking about church people. But listen, you have a calling. You have a plan. You have a purpose in your life. And these are the essentials that we need to know that if we're going to have a self, uh, healthy self-image, that we have to start getting in community, we have to start getting into Christ, and we have to start getting a calling on our life. So that's the first and foremost. There's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. If there's condemnation in us, it's from the enemy, Okay. We have to know that. So you have to see and realize this is the enemy that's trying to put these things on us, saying we're no good, we'll never amount to anything, our past is, is horrible or terrible and it's shameful. God came to free us up through his son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about my point number two, roots, roots of rejection. Statements made in the formative years, okay? So look at, think, look at the book and look at some of these statements. I wish you'd never been born. Maybe somebody here has heard that when you, had, when you were growing up. You're stupid. How could anyone love a person like you? You'll never amount to anything. You're just like your father or your mother. All of a sudden, rejection comes in, and we start to hear these things, and we think, oh, no, what's, what's going to happen? What, what, what's going to And so we, we hear Sometimes parents will call their child an idiot or you just messed up or you, you've done it again. Jenny and I have a friend who um, at the age of eight was left at a rest stop in York, Nebraska. Her mother said uh, she had to use the restroom. The eight-year-old did. Go on in, honey, I'll be here when you, when you come back. And when the little girl came out of the, the restroom, uh, her mother was gone. So uh, uh, department, uh, the services picked her up, DS, DSS picked her up, and Department of Social Services, and, and then over the next 
five or six years, she had been abused after foster home, foster home, foster home, and she had lived with all this shame in her life, and we had met with her and talked to her and counseled her and prayed with her, and, and we saw different pieces of freedom come, but it, it, it came in her case because when she was little, someone older than her that she loved didn't believe in her. They just left her. Well, that's an extreme case, but sometimes when people that we admire or look at, some people that's in our life, if they say things about us, there can be this rejection and shame that, that casts on us. And rejection is a, a horrible thing. Sometimes it comes through abuses of sexual abuse or physical abuse. It comes through different areas of emotional and spiritual abuse. And we, we gather this shame in our life because we feel like we're rejected. And when that, when that happens, we don't know which way to turn. Well, can, well, can I tell you that, first of all, we can turn to Christ Jesus, amen? And if we, and see, it sounds elementary, but a lot of people want to hide behind things in their life that, that are, they're okay. We continue to go back to Egypt, like the Israelites wanted to always go back to Egypt, where they were working 18 hours a day, seven days a week. Where they, had, where they were just killing themselves because the Egyptians had them working so hard. But they went, wanted to go back to what was comfortable. We get in a mode of comfortability. But I, I like the scriptures and I love the gospels on how if you read the scriptures, Jesus came for people who were rejected. Jesus came for a, uh, an adulterous woman who men brought to, to him and threw her on the ground and said, now you judge her, should she not die by the law? Well, yeah, by the law she should have died, but so should have the man that she was with, who they didn't bring. And Jesus knelt down and he writes something out. Maybe he writes down other parts of where these men were rejected or maybe men who had been with her or somebody else. And all of a sudden, from the oldest to the youngest, they start to back away. And, the, and Jesus asked the woman, the adulterous woman, uh, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none, Lord. And he said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. He touched a leopard who shouldn't have been touched. or someone who would live out in a colony outside of town. He opened the blind eyes. He, 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 he came for rejected, shameful people. The woman with the issue of blood who touched the hem of his garment. The tax collector who worked for the Roman government but were Jewish people. They were hated by both sides, and yet they skimmed off the top. They stole from everybody, and he gets a tax collector on his team, Matthew. He came for rejected people, but yet he ministered to them. And so if you have ever felt shameful and rejected in your life, Jesus came for you. He came to partner with you. He came to share that shame and rejected because Isaiah 53 and 3 says this, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. You see, Jesus came to take that rejection away. And whatever he came to take away, he fills back in. And so someone may feel like they've did things that they should be shameful about. Someone may feel like they've been rejected all their life because of who they are or how they are or where they are or what they are. And Jesus came to override that, that rejection. He came, to, he came to take care. So on I think on your paper it says common signs of rejection, feelings of worthlessness, inferiority, 
guilt, poor self-image, hopelessness, depression, inability to express feeling, build walls, self-protection, hatred, self-hatred, introspection, perfectionism, self-condemnation, worries, doubt, fears, all these things are things in our life where we, we start to feel like if we've been rejected, we want to overcompensate. It's the beauty of what the gospel is all about, is accepting people just the way they are, just how they are. The behavioral patterns of rejection, I think you have that in your book, resentment, ha hatred, anger, and bitterness, dysfunctional family life, the inability to express feelings. Some people shout, uh, shelter themselves. They don't express themselves, or some people will overly express themselves. They'll, uh, we would say, fly off the handle. They'll just start yelling and screaming. They'll act like, uh, I'd like to say they act like a, a, like a, a two- or three-year-old, but some two- and three-year-olds act more mature than some of those people. Or they'll slam the door, and you can't, you can't talk to them. You can't visit with them. You can't, you can't calm them down. The, the, those people have felt rejected at some point in time. And we have to understand that so that we can communicate, so that we know how to pray, so that we know how to, to walk through these things together. Relationship with others, an overwhelming effort to please. See, when we're, uh, someone feels shame and rejected, uh, one of their traits would be they want to please everybody. They, they're afraid that other people may think poorly of them, and so they don't want to be rejected again. We need to do what the song says, and we need to send shame and rejection back to hell. Amen. We need to be overcomers through Christ, and we can do that. We'll walk through some of those things tonight. The notes I've written myself, you always assume the worst about everyone's motives. That's a sign of shame or rejection. When we walk through those, uh, those things, you put up walls, and we start, to, we start to put up walls that we don't want people in too close. And we don't want, people can get here, but they can't get past this place. And we, we add the walls in because we don't want to be rejected again. We don't want that shameful uh, nature. But there's a, acceptance is a form of godliness because God accepts people. Rejection is a form of the enemy. And so we have to understand that when we walk through this thing, we call life. And we call uh, as a Christ follower, or if you're not a Christ follower tonight, as we walk through this, I, I would ask that you'd open your heart just to believe uh, that Christ can make a difference because he came as one who was rejected. He came as one who bore the cross, which was a, 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 a position of shame, but he did it so that we could walk in complete freedom. Psalms 27 and 10 says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Uh, the, there's a healing part of rejection that allows us then to become healed and we can walk through them. There, I believe in your manual. Number one, know and understand that God is the source of your origin. Know and understand that God is the source of your origin. Okay, he, he, he's the one. So someone says, my, my father you know, was mean to me. My father was bad. God is your Abba Father. He's your daddy. He, he's the one who ultimately cares. Number two, as a father, he is the source of your identity and your destiny. If you've ever read the Old Testament, it was important for the children to receive a blessing from the father. And that blessing would go down from generation to generation. And God said he would bless generations up until the thousandth generation. That includes you. 
That's part of you. So that we know that our Heavenly Father cares. Number three, repent for receiving and cooperating with the strategy of the enemy. See, every time we buy into this rejection and shame, every time we buy into the fact that we don't think we're good enough, every time we buy into the fact that we think that there's an ulterior motive, we need to repent so that God can have his way in our life. Number four, forgive those who have rejected you. And number five, renew your mind with the truth of the word. It was our, I've said it before, but some of you don't come on Sundays. It was our youngest son who challenged us to, to read through the Bible in, in, uh, in a month, the month of January, the, the shred they, they were calling it. And I, I, I took the challenge and, and, uh, and I thought, man, this is, it was, it was truly, extremely uh, difficult. Uh, and I read through the Bible in, in 25 days, and, and uh, I, was, I was second of our group. Ben back here did it. They said Ben flew through it in uh, like 17, 18 days, whatever. Ben, you're, you're just brilliant. You're just a genius. God bless you, man. And, uh, and, and he had to have read close to 60 chapters a day, by the way, to, to get through it in the time frame. Uh, but hear me. And so I thought, man, reading through the Bible, which we've done my wife and I have done for, uh, for, the, for years, we've read through it in a year, to read through it in a month, I thought that, that's a huge challenge. And now I'm, I'm reading through it again. So my goal is to get through the Bible again uh, by Easter. I want to do the 90 day, but I think I'll do it in 75. Long story short, I, I was so filled and so refreshed having read through the Bible in that short of time that I couldn't wait to get back in and start reading 12 or 15 or 20 chapters a day again. Now, the reason I say that is because that point there where we renew the mind with the truth of the word, the more of God you get in you, the more of the bad stuff gets out of you. It has to leave. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. My goal, your goal, has to be more of God in, more of God in, less of me, more of me out, more of God in, more of me out. And so it's, it, it, it happens. So shame in your book says, shame occurs when judgment and inner vows are directed towards the self. And so we don't, we, we do one of two things. We don't give ourselves enough credit or we give ourselves too much credit. We, 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 get, we want to hide the pain, and sometimes it turns into shame and rejection, or sometimes it turns into a, a sense of haughtiness. Proverbs 15 and 4 says, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. It crushes the spirit. I'm going to flip over to the, my, my page, Steps to Freedom from Shame. But before we get there, I want to read you a, a scripture verse. I, I love this story in the scriptures, and I, I love it for a couple of reasons. So I'm going to expound on it, and then we'll go through some, some steps. If you're taking notes, write down 2 Kings 5. And I'm going to, I'm going to, do, I'm going to be in that, that chapter for, for a couple minutes. And 2 Kings 5 is a, is a really... A really cool uh, chapter. Naaman's the commander of the army, and uh, the king is Aram. 
And Aram, is a, he's a feisty guy. He sends Naaman out. He says uh, he was a great man in his master's sight and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. And the man was brave warrior, but he had a skin disease. So he had, he had leprosy, okay? And, in his, and Aram had gone on raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served Naaman's wife. And she said to the mistress, if only my master would go to the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his skin disease. So stop there for a second because there's a lesson here. Second Kings, the fifth chapter, the first three verses, they go on a raid into Israel. They bring back a young girl, probably 17. The 17-year-old who was basically rejected because she, she, was, she got caught in the raid and brought back. She doesn't complain. She doesn't moan. She doesn't weep. She just, she starts to feel sorry for the guy who stole her. And she says, if only the prophet would see, if he he would go see the prophet, the prophet would pray and he would be healed. What amazing faith. Listen, sometimes in our life, we blame everything on the past that has to do with the present. We lock our own hands up. We tie our own very hands up so that God can't move in our life because we refuse to, to accept the help that God has for us. And so the, the, the girl tells the, the, the wife of the man that she's working for, and all of a sudden they get word back to Elisha. And Elisha's like, all right, I don't have time to go deal with this. So he tells them what to do. And in the 10th verse he says, then Elisha sent a messenger and said, go wash seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you'll be clean. Well, listen, now, so wait a second. If God told you to do something, even if it was through a man, would you do it? You don't have to answer because a lot of people don't. But what if you did? So Naaman gets angry and he says, man, a lot. He said, surely if that guy would have told me or came here, there's got to be something else. In fact, he's telling me to dip seven times in dirty water. I'm not going to do that. And Naaman's wife steps up and says this. Had the prophet told you to do something great, wouldn't you have gone and done it? Like, what if the prophet would have said, fly out to L.A. and go to a church out there. God's going to heal you. Or what if the prophet would have said, hey, go to Charlotte and attend a church down there or a healing seminar there. God would, and this is what Naaman was doing because he had shame and rejection in his life. And it, it, his wife made sense. And I want to say in just a moment here, what if God brought you here tonight to get rid of whatever there is in your life that you want to get rid of because you know God knows it's the right thing to do? And sometimes we're looking for a miracle and we're looking past our miracle for another miracle. And that's what Naaman was doing. He didn't want to dip. Well, his wife got to him and he wouldn't dip seven times and the miracle came that he 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 was set free. And I want to talk to you in that regard before the steps of freedom tonight because sometimes God's steps of freedom, they seem a little silly. They seem a little elementary. Like maybe we should have to go read through the Bible in in a month or maybe we should have to attend every church service or maybe we should have to go do this or maybe we should spend, you know, six hours in worship or maybe we should fly to California and go to a healing seminar. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But what if God just wants to bring total healing tonight 
to the person or persons that say, Lord, if you're here, the presence of God is here. I want to feel that presence tonight. Steps to freedom from shame. First of all, you need to identify the roots. Mark 9 and 21 says, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. You have to identify the roots of your shame or rejection, should you have any. Where do they come from? Why do, I, why do I feel that way when someone says that? Why do I, Janie spoke really well on offense on Sunday, and it's, it's the bait of Satan. Offense is the bait. Why do I feel that way? Why do I get that way? Chances are maybe something happened to you when, when you were young or, or, or uh, growing. Number two, repent and renounce the core lies that you have believed. Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Everybody just really quickly say, just shout no. No. One more time. No. One more time. No. This is what Titus is asking us to do. Just shout no to ungodliness and worldly passions. It's a, it's a place to start. We have to identify the root, and then we have to, we have to start somewhere. Anybody who, who has ever been on a diet, anybody who's ever worked out or started to run, anybody who's ever gone to, to school, you have to start somewhere. You have to start with that first class, that first run, that first weightlifting exercise, that, that first non-cheesecake meal. That, that that first bowl of ice cream that doesn't look like ice cream or tastes like ice cream, but... Your wife says it's ice cream because you love ice cream. And where's the chocolate syrup? There is none. And that's not ice cream either. You have to start somewhere. And so why not start with no? Most of us know right from wrong. We don't always say no when we know right from wrong. Number three, and Janie hit it really good, grace and healing. Psalms 51.10 David said, creating me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. And he said that after Nathan came and talked to him, his prophet, about what the Lord had shared with Nathan about David's time with Bathsheba and how wrong he was. And David was ready to go through the roof because he wanted to make amends for somebody else. And then Nathan said, no, it's you, David, that we're talking about. And sometimes we can see flaws in other people a lot quicker than we can see in ourselves. And this whole weekend will be about not flaws, but, but Lord, what, what in me would you like to, to change? What in me would you like to clean up? What in me needs to be? Or maybe you already know. Maybe there's hurt inside of us that we already know about. Maybe there is that shame and rejection, and God says, hey, you're in the right place. You're at the right time. Number uh, four, retrain your thought pattern to reflect the mind of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Write this down, conditional responses. Conditional responses. That's important because our body and our mind are trained for conditional response. If somebody says something, and if they say that long enough, or they do that long enough, or they're maybe in a marriage, if somebody, uh, does, somebody does this, if the spouse, one spouse does this, the, um, the husband does this, and the wife acts this way, and they do that repetitively the same way, it becomes a conditioned response. It's a trigger point. 
And that trigger point, you all of a sudden know, you have to change the conditional response. You have to change the trigger point. You have someone has to say, no, I'm not going to do that again. No, I'm not going to, to respond that way again. And again, we go back to, to Sunday's message about offenses. No, I'm not going to get offended again. No, I'm going to receive grace. No, I'm not, I'm not going to get rejected again. I'm not going to have that feeling of rejection again. I'm not going to have that feeling of shame again. Devil, you can't give me that shame feeling again. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old has been passed away. Behold, all things become as new. Number six, find, uh, I'm sorry, number five, choose to walk in the spirit instead of giving away to the flesh. And number six, find safe relationships to share openly and honestly. We find safe relationships in a community that we started with, community, Christ, and calling. If we, if we gather ourselves in a community of, of believers, of like followers, if we gather ourselves in a community of, of people who we know would support us and, and be a part of us and, and love on us, if we gather ourselves into a community and we say, man, that's, that's what I need, this is then what the scripture is telling us. I have written in my notes two things. One, in, imperfect yet forgiven. I, I hated those bumper stickers when we were growing up spiritually, not perfect, just forgiven. It seems so haughty. It seems just, just like I just wanted to rip those bumper stickers off. And, and yet, in some ways, it's, it's really true, especially if it's spoken from the heart, not perfect but truly forgiven. And, and when a person understands that, man, I'm, I'm not, I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. And yet when I for, recognize that I'm forgiven, I, I have to still forgive. When we look at shame and we look at rejection, and I would say most of us at some point in time have felt shame and rejection, I think there's a couple things that we can do. One, we can not only ask for Jesus' help, but we can compare ourselves to what he did and how he reached out for rejected people and then how he himself was rejected so that he had to bear a cross and take that cross upon him, which was a picture of shame in the world that day. In just a few moments, we're going to pray and we're going to set up prayer teams and we're going to have prayer lines and I want you to know how deeply this church feels about just walking people through those steps that where maybe they felt shame or rejection in their life, that it's simply a disguise of the enemy to stop us from being all we can be in Christ Jesus. I'm reading a book by Howard Schultz, he's the um, uh, former CEO of, of Starbucks, and uh, he tells a story uh, in the book, and he grew up in the projects in Carnese uh, area of Brooklyn uh, in the government housing. His father was an alcoholic from World War II, and his mother did everything that they could to, uh, uh, to make ends meet. And she was a real fan of uh, JFK, John F. Kennedy. And uh, they went and heard John F. Kennedy speak while he was running for uh, presidential election. And, and then a year and a half later when uh, President Kennedy got shot, uh, Howard Schultz's mom, just, just the bottom crashed out. She, she couldn't get off the sofa. She was just, she, she had it horrible. And, and Howard Schultz did everything he could. He was, 
he was young at the time. He was in uh, maybe junior high or early high school years. And as he grew and went to college, and he, he started, um, he started a, a coffee bean business. And most of you know the story, but there's a really cool part of the story. It, uh, I thought he had started Starbucks. He actually didn't start Starbucks. He, Starbucks was a, a company in existence already with six stores, and he sold the coffee beans to uh, uh, to Starbucks, and at one point in time, they brought him on and, and hired him, and then he went off on his own again, and then the originators of Starbucks uh, called him up and said, Howard, we'd like to sell, uh, we'd like to sell you Starbucks, and he knew it was a great opportunity, they needed $3.6 million, and he had 60 days to, to raise it, and this was, you know, years ago, and uh, he, he was going to do it, I'm going I'm to get the money off. A month into it, uh, they found another buyer for $4 million. And it, it just devastated him because his whole life, his father had beat him up, had misused him and abused him, uh, didn't value him as a person, let alone a son uh, or a child. And here it was again where somebody was just taking advantage of him and uh, he, he was just devastated that they were gonna sell this brand to somebody else and he had, he had really poured his heart into it. And so he met with a guy and over, over lunch and he was telling the story, he wasn't complaining, he was just trying to figure out how can I, how can we, what can I do? I have 30 days but now they've sold it. And, and the man said, you need to meet a friend of mine who I think would have some answers for you. And uh, so he met, he walked into a law office and. The attorney stood up, and it was a giant guy, just six foot seven, and uh, just put out his hand and said, uh, uh, hi, my name is Bill Gates, and it was Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft's father, and he said, sit down, and so Bill Gates, who was a leading senior, who was a leading attorney in Seattle at the time, and Howard Schultz sat down, and Howard Schultz told him his story, and he was felt fear and rejection in his heart because no one had ever stood up for him before and Bill Gates Sr. said let's go talk to those guys because I think I think they'll listen to me and so they went down literally knocked on the door and Bill Gates Sr. said what you're doing to Howard Schultz is not right you need to sell him the company for the 3.6 million dollars that you agreed to and if you don't then I'm going to take matters into my own hands and they said that's okay we'll, we'll go ahead and honor it Mr. Gates but he won't, he won't get the money anyways. And Bill Gates Sr. stood up and said, yes, he will, because I'm going to guarantee it. Howard Schultz walked away saying nobody had ever stood up before for him, ever like that before. And it was a defining moment in his life. As the worship team comes back, I want to tell you this, that Grace Church, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God Almighty, wants to stand with you tonight in anything that you might have need of. Any shame, any fear, any rejection, anything at all that you might be going through your mind that you would say, and I just, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid to even get prayed for in that realm. No judgment here. No judgment at all. I think in life, if we haven't had we need those people that will stand with us. So I'm gonna ask those people who we've asked to, to pray tonight, and Marcus and Charity and Brian and Tammy and 
Devin and Blake and uh, David and Teresa and Gary and Jerry, and just kind of stand, stand across the front and stand together, if you will, so that way if there's a male or female, yeah, and just and get spread out. Because here's what I want. I want, I want good ministry time to take place tonight. I want, I want, so if you'll all stand, I'd like everybody to stand, and the worship team's gonna enter us back into worship, but here's what, here's what we wanna do. You guys scoot down. Gary and Jerry come down a little bit more, spread out a little bit, so we're not so tight. There we go. This is the start. Uh, we're, we're gonna get together tomorrow, we'll get together Sunday, but mainly if you've felt in the past just some shame and rejection. But also, if you, if you feel fear, you feel hesitancy, if there's anything in your life, we've asked these guys who've been praying for you to pray with you. And we're gonna take some time, and they're gonna take some time and just kind of minister to you. So in just a moment after I pray, if you'll, if you'll come forward and just ask these folks to, to pray with you, I believe by the admission of your faith and the words out of your mouth and agreement with the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be healed, you'll be, you'll be set free. So let me pray with you. Father, we, we declare right now, Lord, that your word is alive and you are truth. We pray, Father, right now, here tonight, Lord, that you would guard our thoughts and ideas. Lord, if there's anybody here that deals, Lord, with uh, specifically shame and rejection, Lord, that they would have the boldness to come forward. And Lord, and just to just to pray with uh, whomever is up front here, uh, Lord, that they would allow, Father Lord, the Holy Spirit to minister and to work through, Lord, and that they would be healed and delivered and set free. Lord, that they would have the boldness to take that step to, to move forward, Lord, and seek, Lord, a prayer of agreement, Father, Lord, as James tells us to. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Encourage you to come at this time if you like prayer, and uh, we're going to sing and worship. God bless you.